you pray with me? Oh Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. Oh Lord, our rock and our redeemer. All God's people said, Amen. Be still and know that I am God, right? We, we all kind of know, I mean, maybe not all of us, but, but that is one of the most popular verses in, in our faith. And now just out of curiosity, does anybody have that hanging on your wall somewhere in your house or on a t-shirt or a coffee mug, maybe? No, that is okay. I have been in plenty of houses where that is part of their decor. I've, I've even walked into someone's bathroom and I've seen it painted on their wall. Be still and know that I am God. Like I said, it's one of this, this really popular verses in Scripture. It's part of a, uh, a category that I call coffee mug verses, where we take these verses out of context and, and put them on a coffee mug to, to bring us comfort. Maybe, you know, uh, for I know the plans for you, says the Lord. Or, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Or any of the Beatitudes. Maybe you've just seen them on merchandise out there. And, and the thing with these coffee mug verses is they work great as, as, as comfort. Uh, they work great on their own. Good verses to, to help you get through the day. But oftentimes they're taken out of context. And the context brings so much more richness to those verses. See, be still and know that I am God. When, when it's in its context, I, I don't think the sentiment changes, but I think the degree does. Right? When, when I hear this verse, or I, I mainly think it's, it's this comforting thought for, for times when maybe you're a little anxious or nervous about something. But it deals with so much more than just general anxiety. This verse comes from Psalm 46, by the way, which we'll be reading together in a moment. So if you want to follow along in, in the Bibles, if you're using a Bible in the pew, it's page 809. Again, that's Psalm 46. And, and if you don't have your own Bible, please talk to me or Pastor Sue after the service. We'd love to send you home with one. Yeah. So, so if you've been attending, if you've been with us the last few weeks, you know we're, we're going through this series on, on the Psalms that we've been calling Mixtape, which we've been looking at what I've been calling the Bible's Mixtape for us, um, which we know as the Psalms. And, and we've been looking at, at how these songs speak to the human experience. And, and so far, we, we've seen a song of, of thanksgiving, being grateful for the love of the Lord that endures forever. We've looked at a song of confession. We've offered our hearts to God and asked him to search us and know us and, and show any offensive way within us so that we may be led in his way. Last week, we, we looked at a song of lament, where we see the psalmist feeling abandoned and forgotten by God, and, and we looked at how he responds to that situation. And today, we're going to be looking at a song of trust. And, and here's the thing. I think most of us know this through experience. It's, it's pretty easy to trust in God when life is, is going well, right? When you wake up with a smile on your face and you, you go into your bathroom and brush your teeth and see your sign that says, be still and know that I am God. It's, it's easy to be still and know that God is God in those moments. 
even in the maybe a little bit more challenging moments, like, like general mild anxiety or, or nervousness, it's, it's a good reminder to help us calm down, breathe, and know that God's the one in charge. In, in the smaller battles of life, and in smaller uncertainties, it's, it's usually still pretty easy and, and still pretty comforting to be still. And I think it's easy in those moments because we still have a, a semblance of control. We, we still have a say in how our days may shape up. We, we can say, be still, and know that, that God is God, but in, in reality, we're either not that still or, or we're pretty confident already in, in what the day holds in store for us. But it's in the hard times, the times when we don't have any control or power, when, when being still and trusting in God is both most important and most difficult. In the Mesopotamian tradition, there's, there's this flood story that's pretty similar to what we have in, in Noah's Ark. It takes place in, in this story called the Epic of Gilgamesh. And the story starts with a group of five gods known as the greater gods uh, planning to cause a flood to wipe out all life on earth. And they swear themselves to secrecy, but one of the gods cared about living beings, and so he told this man that he needs to demolish his house and, and create this, this ark or, or this big box for him and all of his living, all of the living beings that he had to, to go in it. And then the storm comes, and, and here's what's written about the storm. I think it's pretty, pretty epic. Stunned shock over the God's deeds overtook the heavens and turned to blackness all that had been light. The land shattered like a pot. All day long, the south wind blew, blowing fast, submerging the mountain in water, overwhelming the people like an attack. No one could see his fellow. They could not recognize each other in the torrent. The gods were frightened by the flood. They retreated. The gods were cowering like dogs, crouching by the outer wall. Ishtar, who's the goddess of, of love and war, shrieked like a woman in childbirth. The gods humbly sat weeping, sobbing with grief, their lips burning, parched with thirst. Six days and seven nights came the wind and the flood, the storm flattening the land. When the seventh day arrived, the storm was pounding, and the flood was like a war. So what do we do when our lives resemble that? When we're caught in the midst of this storm with, with absolutely no way to gain control or power over it, are we supposed to be still? When wildfires are devastating Canada and, and Hawaii, when, when there's a war raging in the Ukraine, are, are we really supposed to be still? When our kids are feeling unsafe in schools because of the threat of gun violence, when, when we treat our earth, and that, the way we treat our earth is threatening to destroy our earth, or, or maybe when the world is changing around us so quickly that the values that we grew up with are, are no longer the values that the world carries, or, or when we feel like our rights are constantly being infringed upon. I mean, I don't know what side you're on in all of this, but I, I don't know what causes you care about, but I know that you care about them. And when the causes are, are disappearing, you can feel threatened or angry or scared or upset. Are, are we really supposed to be still in those moments? Or in our own personal storms and, and battles, when, when we experience depression and grief or, or physical illness or injury or, or the injury of ourselves or those around us? 
Are we really supposed to be still? So we're going to read Psalm 46 and look at the context of this verse. Uh, But before we do that, I want to point out one word that pops up that you actually might not see in your Bibles. Uh, It's this word, Selah. The reason that you won't have it in your Bibles is because we don't actually know the translation of this word. Uh, But most likely, many people think it's a musical instruction indicating a refrain or a space to to breathe or reflect. So as I read this passage this morning, at the spaces where Selah appears or would appear, I'm going to just pause. It might be a little uncomfortable, but I'm just going to give us space to reflect on it. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength never-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Selah. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow. He shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. And he says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Thanks be to God. So back to those questions. When when the world seems to be destroyed or or changing beyond all recognition, and when we're in the midst of our deepest despair and in the middle of the storm, are we supposed to just be still? According to Psalm 46, the answer is yes. Not just when your kids are are acting up or or maybe your teacher assigned more homework than you're used to or, or you're going through a busy day and somehow still have to fit grocery shopping in it. The psalmist speaks of times much more concerning than that. He's watching the world crumble around him and that's what God tells him to do. Be still and know that I am God. The psalm opens with, with the psalmist professing a a complete dependence on God, a a radical trust in him. Despite the earth giving way and the mountains falling into the sea, the waters roaring and foaming and the mountains quaking, 
the psalmist's trust, trust in the Lord remains strong. When I read this account of natural disasters, I can't help but think of Gilgamesh's tale, the Epic of Gilgamesh, the, where the land shattered like a pot, the mountains covered by the sea, and the flood being like a war. And despite these conditions, the, the psalmist continues to trust in God because he knows that his God, our God, isn't a God that, that trembles in fear of a storm. He's not a God that retreats or cowers behind walls for protection. He's, he's not a God who shrieks in fear of disaster. The psalmist trusts God because he knows that our God is his refuge, that, that he's his strength. He's an ever-present help in times of trouble. Our God isn't afraid of the mountains because he's the one who created them. He's not afraid of the, the seas because he's the one who parted them. Our God established this world for human existence at creation through his sovereign control. And so we don't have to fear because we know that he is still in control. We can trust God because we know that even in the midst of destruction and chaos, in the midst of our world changing beyond recognition, he's still there. And he is still our ever-present help in times of trouble. And then the psalmist moves on and starts describing what it's like in the midst of the presence of God. There's a river that makes streams, and whose streams make glad the city of God. Now this river is in stark contrast to the raging storm outside of the walls in the first stanza. Instead of destructive storm, we, we get this life-giving river in the city of God, which, which, by the way, is Jerusalem here. A city where God dwelt among his people. And keep in mind, Jerusalem didn't have open borders, right? They had walls. They had armies to guard those walls. But the city's true strength, the city's true defense was God's presence. God is within her. She will not fall. And the city didn't fall, at least not until God allowed it to fall because of Israel's sin. See, Jerusalem was, was constantly a target for surrounding nations. There's this one time that the Assyrian army came and attacked Jerusalem. They, they completely overwhelmed the city, and, and the, uh, the, the Assyrian commander began to mock the Israelites, mock their king, King Hezekiah, and, and mock their God. And when all seemed lost, King Hezekiah went to the temple of the Lord and prayed. He put his trust in God. And the battle ends with the angel of the Lord rescuing Israel from that surrounding army. Second King tells us that 185,000 soldiers in the Assyrian army were put to death because the Lord protects his people. And I can just see King Hezekiah waking up that next day and looking out and seeing what the angel of the Lord has done and, and praying that prayer and, and saying those words of Psalm 46 Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth, he makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. 
And, and these words remain true to us as well, right? Come and see the works of the Lord. See how God protects his people. The Lord Almighty is with us. He is our refuge, our strength, and the fortress for the faithful. And we can remain confident in his protective care. Even in the face of a, a crumbling world or a rampant military attack. That is why we can be still in the midst of hard times. But the question remains, what does being still actually look like? See, I don't believe this is a command of, of disengagement, but rather a command of awareness. God isn't saying, be still and, and stop whatever you're doing. He's saying, be still so you can be aware of what I'm doing. This be still and know that I'm God reminds me of, of something Jesus preached in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life and what you will eat or drink or about your body and what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? The message here is don't, don't fear when you're lacking. Continue to trust in God, but, but trusting in God, by the way, doesn't mean that, that you shouldn't eat if you're able to when you're hungry. It, it doesn't mean you shouldn't clothe yourself at all. It, it doesn't mean we shouldn't try to provide for ourselves when circumstances allow. We don't just let go and let God. But it means that your life is so much more than food and clothing, than your basic needs. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't be working to try to escape the storm. If you break your arm, you're, not, you're, you're still going to go see a doctor to get it fixed. You don't just sit back and hope that God will heal you. He, he can, but that's not always how it works. If you see something wrong in this world, we should, try, we should strive to, to help right it. If you see your neighbor mourning, you should comfort them. But in the midst of the storm, God encourages you to be aware, to know that he is God, to experience his presence, to, to know that there is something more important in life than life itself. There's something worth dying for. That's why Christ went to the cross. Friends, we can live faithfully in the face of a crumbling world because we know that God, at the core of it all, is our refuge and our strength. And life lived in the power of that refuge and strength becomes eternal life. Life brought to us through Christ. Not just life that, that one day we, uh, the world will be restored and, and we will experience a future resurrection, but, but a life that is not threatened by the chaos of our own world and the destruction of what we know. We can be still and know that God is in control and that through Christ, the battle has been won. Normally, this is the part where I'd uh, wrap this whole sermon up with a prayer. Uh, but in light of this passage, I, I wanted to, to change things up uh, just a little bit this week. I want to move into a time where we can be still together. Uh, a time where we can reflect on our own or, or pray on our own, whatever it means for you to be still. And, and if you're uncomfortable with stillness and quiet, I'm sure many of us are, because that's not how our world is, uh, there will be a couple questions on the screen for you to help you reflect. There'll be a Bible verse for you to look up and do with that as you will. 
And then when, when this time of reflection is done, Pastor Sue will come up and, and lead us in communion together. So for those in our audience who are watching us online, we'd like to invite you to join us by perhaps getting a bit of bread or some crackers or something and water or juice or a beverage because the Lord's Supper is meant to be something we do in community but we understand that there are some who aren't able to be here we would ask that you would join us as, as you are able online and for the rest of us perhaps you have in your home special pictures, either on the wall or, or in an album or even on your computer. Special pictures that, that serve as reminders for something unique, something, something meaningful for you. Perhaps wedding picture photos or, or those of a, a memorable event in the course of your life or, your, or the life of your family. And they serve as a reminder of a specific time and place that's significant to us. In the Lord's Supper, we have the physical elements of, of the bread and the juice that remind us of the most significant event in history, that of the death and resurrection of the Son of God. If you believe that Jesus has made you right with God and that your desire is to follow him fully, then, then we invite you to participate in the, in the, in the taking of the Lord's Supper. Now, if you're not quite sure yet, that's okay. We want you to know that God loves you and we love you. But we don't want you to live out a lie by your actions. So we would suggest that you just observe for now. In a moment, I'm going to ask a number of our council members to come up. and eat. One will be at each of the aisles with a tray of bread and juice. If you require gluten-free, we have that option here. If you need someone to serve you in your seat, just raise your hand and we'll, we'll make sure someone comes in and helps you out with that. But otherwise, when I, in, after we get set up, if you would come down each aisle, take the bread and juice and return to your seat, and then we will celebrate together. So if I could have my servers. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. People of God, take and eat. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. People of God, take and drink. 
Let's pray together. Lord, you are the God who did not give up on his people who had rejected him. You could have washed your hands of us and, and left us to our own devices, lost in the consequences of our choices. But instead you chose to offer yourself to suffer those consequences in our place. Your love for us, Lord, is, is outside our understanding, and we are so grateful. We invite you to, to continue to work in us through your Holy Spirit as, as we grow in, in our likeness of you. In the name of Jesus, the one who gave us, gave it all, we pray all these things. Amen. <laughs>